Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Monday, January 4th, the first Monday edition of the new year. Hopefully you are all starting your new year off on a good note. I know the New Orleans Saints are after their 33-7 victory over the Carolina Panthers. They complete the first sweep of the NFC South ever. They secure the number two seed in the NFC and will play in the wild card game against the Chicago Bears in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome at 3.40 p.m. Next Sunday, it is so far so good for 2021, and we are keeping this tradition alive on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Cue the music. Hopefully you enjoyed that. If you're a first-time listener, we do that after every Saints win, so be sure to tune into the podcast following a Saints win. I'm your host, Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, we will be joined by Jermon Bushrod, former Saints left tackle. He also played with the Chicago Bears, so we'll get his uh, insight on both teams. And we also speak with Mike Triplett, Saints beat writer for ESPN. Great joint interview with those two, talking a little bit about the Panthers game. Obviously, that was a unique game for the Saints, and we get into uh, Alvin Kamara, expectations going into play and of course talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Jermon Bushrod and Mike Triplett. Gentlemen, how you doing on this first Monday edition of the new year? Today's great. Just a good day. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm doing great. Good, good, good. All right, so let's take a look back at the Panthers game and you know Saturday I feel like we all had our questions, we had our doubts. Uh, thankfully it was the Carolina Panthers who have had some struggles this year but still I don't think any of us knew exactly what that Saints game against the Panthers was gonna look like Um, Jermon I want to get your reaction first when you heard about the news of Alvin Kamara testing positive and then following that news of the running back room being out I just thought it was a tough situation just because the game that Alvin had on Christmas day it it was like the best game he's probably ever going to have uh, in the NFL, I mean, six touchdowns is a lot. So then to come back the next week and not be able to play because of uh, COVID-19, um, you know, first and foremost, we just want to make sure that his health is good uh, moving forward. And, and hopefully he's feeling good, you know, whenever he's able to come back. But to not have AK, Latavius, D- Dwayne Washington, that's that's a big blow to your organization. But I think the Saints, you know, what they do a good job of is uh, – making sure that they can continue to keep the ball rolling. And they did a really good job of it yesterday. Mike, it seems like week after week, the team has had to put a Band-Aid on yeah. some kind of position group. And this week it was a running back room. But did you um, were you confident in the Saints and, and how they built their, their depth this year going into the Panthers game? First of all, is a Band-Aid, what, is that what they used for Breeze when he had 11 broken ribs and a, and a punctured lung, like 12 Band-Aids? <laughs> I took care. 12 band-aids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're right. And look, 
it, it's one of the defining traits of this team, I would say, almost during this whole four-year stretch and certainly this season, is their ability to keep winning without Brees, without Michael Thomas, without Kamara now. And it serves them so well that, uh, you know, I, I think I think the one thing, though, that I think we'd all like to see to see exactly how far this team could go is what will they look like if they get to play with all those guys in the playoffs? And they're closer to that. I think we all expect Michael Thomas back. Big question mark on whether or not Kamara will be back. But Drew Brees looked, I think, the best he's looked since he returned from those injuries. Uh, the defensive line was healthy again. The offensive line, I can't believe we got Jermon on here. and We're waiting this long to talk about it. Two weeks in a row, they are just dominating. They are playing. There was, you know, the, the year they didn't go to the Super Bowl in, in 18 when they were the number one seed. The offensive line is pretty banged up down the stretch. That unit is rolling right now. So there is a chance that we're one or two weeks away from seeing the Saints as close to full strength as we've seen them all year, which would be really promising. There are so many things to talk about following that Panthers game and obviously heading into playoffs. But, Jermon, following that, we have to get your thoughts on the Teron Armstead performance of the last two games. I mean, he has been absolutely dominant at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you, you said it. You know, it's probably the best game that I've seen from an offensive lineman, the way that he was finishing guys 15 yards off the field. <laughs> he was pancaking not linebackers or DBs in the end zone. He's pancaking defensive lineman in the end zone 10 yards past the line of scrimmage I've uh I've had a few of those in my career but this guy put all of them together in one game I felt like it was just a lot of built up uh animosity towards the Minnesota Vikings just because of that kind of history and I felt like Teron just took it out on uh on on every person he put his hands on that game I thought it was a tremendous performance the best performance I've seen uh, you know, may, maybe ever out of an offensive lineman, just single-handedly. I, I thought that I thought that pancake in the end zone you're talking about should have earned him at least one carry yesterday under the under the I situation. Mean, I mean, come obviously, on. you hand him the ball at the five, no one is stopping it. <laughs> no, not at all. Not 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 the way he was pushing around uh, defenders uh, last week. You know, Panthers and the Vikings game. It was impressive for sure. Jermon, I haven't looked at the stats, but you know. I'll, Pretty much every player that doesn't handle the ball on a game-by-game -game basis always thinks that, you know, just give me the ball. I can do some work. I can do some damage. Yeah. But when a big man gets the ball, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but is there a sense of anxiety as soon as you get it? Like, oh, I can't mess this up. Or are you just, like, confident I'm running the other way? You get you get one opportunity, you know, when, when you get your – when you get that opportunity to be um, – to have the ball in your hands. I've had that opportunity in practice. I've had plays drawn up for me in games, especially when I was with the Bears. I thought going into the game, hey, if we get down to the goal line, I'll be able to, you know, I've, I've had plays called for me. So, yeah, it's definitely some anxiety. But once anybody, it doesn't even matter if it's a guy on your team. If you see an offensive lineman or a big guy over 300 pounds get the ball, even on another team, you're excited <laughs> for them because, you know, that we, we want that. We want that ball in our hands because we never get it. And, it's just, uh, you know, we're not used to it. So, yeah, you got to be happy for the big guys. Yeah, big man touchdowns are definitely my favorite. Um, Mike, if you could give us some insight. You, you touched on Alvin Kamara, obviously having that positive test. What is the protocol for the next four weeks, not only for him, but for the rest of the, the athletes in that room? Well, yeah, so the one thing that, that we're not privy to is, you know, finding out, it, you know, who's symptomatic and who tested positive. But from everything we seem to understand, Alvin Kamara's positive, first positive test was taken on Thursday. 
which means he has to, he can't come back for 10 days. The 10th day would be Sunday. He is allowed to come back Sunday if he continues to meet the protocols. If there aren't any, you know, uh, further symptoms later in the week, if he's not still testing positive later in the week. Um, but that would mean no practices, no being around the team, nothing. Can't even stay at the team hotel Saturday night. Um, he would rejoin the team on Sunday. So we don't know for sure if he'll play, but he, he seems like a candidate for a guy who could show up and play without practicing all week, and they could still find a way to use him in that game. Uh, the other guys, it was contact tracing. As long as they have not tested positive, they should be back early this week um, if they didn't test positive. Uh, same with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. If he tested positive, he could be back early this week because his clock started a little earlier. So, um, you know, a lot of that stuff, it, it, you know, the, the, the other guys that tested positive earlier this year, we saw them miss two games. So uh, I would say it's still very much, you know, you'd almost be listening, Camara is questionable for this week. Uh, but if everything goes well, they have that opportunity to put him in on Sunday. Jermon, obviously you've never dealt with any of these COVID-19 protocols or anything like that. So um, I wanted to leave this word back in 2020, but this unprecedented season. Um, if, if Alvin is just coming back on Sunday and hopefully he is asymptomatic and doesn't have any, you know, any looming conditions or anything like that, do you think he can do anything on his own away from people to try to, you know, stay in shape? A week is a long time for an athlete. I mean, I played post, you were, you know, a big man, so it takes us a little bit longer, but maybe for a guy like Alan Kamara, it's not such a big deal. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to be some degree of difficulty for Alvin Kamara to get out there on that field and not have those practice reps. You know, I would be, I would be shocked if he if he is able to play, but to have a guy like Alvin on the field who brings so much to the game, not just running and passing, but just him being on the field is a is a, is a, not a it's a distraction to the other team because it's something that they're going to have to they're always going to have to account for him. It just has to come to make sure that Alvin is doing everything in his and and you know he has to do everything possible on his end that he can be able to get himself physically, mentally, and, and emotionally getting ready to play this game without having any practice reps, without it, without um, seeing the game plan. You know, you'll, he'll be able to get the game plan, but you won't be able to physically talk about it, take those reps. That can be a little bit, that can be a little difficult for him moving forward. Mike, you look at the other offensive weapon for the Saints and Michael Thomas, they put him in, on IR, hope, hoping to get him back for the playoffs. What have you heard about his status with that high ankle injury and, you know, how he's feeling? Yeah, all along they were targeting him, not just coming back this week, but uh, doing that specifically, as Sean Payton said, so he would be as close to 100% as possible this week. And Drew Brees said last night pretty confidently that Mike Thomas will be back this week and that he thinks uh, these last three weeks have done him good. So, um, yeah, what an, what, a, what an addition to, to add to the playoff roster. It's amazing that, that – Breeze and Thomas have only played 10 quarters together this whole season, and they're 12 and four in number two seed in the NFC. Wow. Yeah, it's insane to think about. Jermon just said, wow. Uh, <laughs> Mike, we've talked pretty much all season about the identity of this team and especially the offense. And really, it just comes down to adversity. But going into playoffs, is that enough to get them to where they want to go in the Super Bowl? Well, overcoming adversity is a big part of it, but when you say identity, uh, another direction you could go is they've become, you know, uh, way more of a run-heavy team uh, or at least a uh, diverse team than ever before. They 
ended up with the most rushing yards this team has had since 1983. It's the most rushing yards and the fewest passing yards they've ever had in the Peyton Breeze era. Uh, a lot of that is because of the offensive line. A lot of it is because of the running backs. Even if they don't have Kamara, if they have Latavius Murray, remember he had that monster game against the Bears last season. Um, so I, I could see them getting into a game against the Bears and, and being able to win that game in the trenches, um, which is something you would never expect if you're just in general saying, oh, Bears versus Saints. Uh, but they might be the better team uh, along the lines right now. Jermon, do you think that's a realistic possibility? You think Teron Armstead's going to have a, a blindside moment once again against the Bears? Uh, <clears throat> I think so. I, look, I, I've watched the film on both teams. Obviously, I follow the Saints. I follow the Bears close as well. Um, and I like what the Saints have done. You know, this is definitely out of the norm when it comes to Sean Payton offenses. You know, when, you, when you're saying that this is the lowest they've been in pass yards since they've been together, uh, it, it goes to show. And, I, you know, another thing that I do love about you guys, you guys give a lot of offensive line love. So, you know, this podcast has <laughs> definitely just moved up a couple notches in my book. But uh, it, 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 anybody who shows love to the offensive line like that is important. And honestly, the offensive line has been very dominant for a long time, just like you said. And the, and the great thing about this team, they have guys going in and out, and they plug different they plug different pieces in, and they find a way to get it done. And they've done that on the offensive line. They've done it in pretty much every position possible on this team, and they just find a way to keep going. Uh, and and I think, um, yeah, come come Sunday at, at 3:40 or whatever time they're playing, they can definitely win this game by running the ball because the Chicago Bears they are tough up front but they have been shown to get gashed a little bit uh, in the run game. German, I have to ask, with so many questions looming over the Saints, one thing that is consistent is Sean Payton. So what does this week look like um, for the Saints who are approaching the playoffs? What Does Sean Payton do anything differently in practice, in the locker room, in meetings? What does that this week leading up look like? I think you do what, you, what you've been doing all year because it's been working. <clears throat> you know, you, you, you get to 12 and 4 with all the adversity that you've had, the message has, has to continue to be the same. You know, um, <clears throat> don't change what you were doing from the regular season to the postseason. Just, you know, just ramp up your focus, ramp up your intensity a little bit. And Sean does a great job of communicating with the guys. That's why the players respond the way that they do. That's why you have such a great group of guys in that locker room who play for each other because the message is always the same. The expectations are always the same. So uh, I'm excited. Um, about this new chapter of, of playoffs. You know, I know it's been quite a struggle for a few years, and I think this is the year 2020 that, or 2021 now that they can overcome uh, all those past struggles. I sure hope so. Mike, before we get into a little bit more of the Bears talk, what do you think are the biggest questions that loom over the Saints heading into this next week? Well, the one thing, um, when we talk about their history of being tough, I mean <laughs> – I wrote this yesterday. If they didn't have, if it wasn't for bad luck, they wouldn't have any at all. You know, Jermon was on that 2011 team that went 13 and three and had to be a three seed last you year. You had to bring that up, huh? Yeah, I know. 13 and three, you they had to be a three seed again last year. That that only has happened three times ever since the since the NFL went to 16 games and it happened to the Saints twice. And now they've changed the playoffs so the Saints get the two seed. <laughs> they still don't get a first round by. I mean, um, and, and so to me, that is their biggest obstacle is, is the gamut they have to run through. Uh, they're the two seed, but they don't get a buy. Um, they're going to be favored against the bears probably pretty heavily. Then they're going to have to play a team like maybe Seattle or maybe Tampa Bay. Then they're going to maybe have to go to Lambeau field. It's just, 
you you need a lot of consistency to get through the uh, the playoffs, especially when you don't have that first week off. And I think the one thing we've seen from the Saints is they've been able to scratch out a lot of uh, close wins uh, earlier in the year before these last two routes late in the season. But I'm curious if we can see them at their best three weeks in a row. All right, let's get into some Bears talk. Um, Mitch Trubisky has been able to kind of turn things around a little bit in the last few weeks. And I went to a Bears game last year, and I heard a Bears fan call him Trubiscuit. And now every time I see say <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, all I do is <laughs> what improvements have you seen not only Mitch Trubisky make, but kind of the shifting of the guard in, in Chicago? Well, you know, Mitch, Mitch had a – Mitch has kind of had a roller coaster year. He started really high. The team started out really good. Uh, I believe it was four and oh, five and oh, something like that. And then he hit a couple bad, uh, you know, it was a couple bad games in there for him. He ended up getting benched. And, you know, so he had to kind of take a back seat. Now he's getting the opportunity again, but the identity of the Chicago Bears have kind of changed. You know, they were not leaning on the run game at all early on in the season. They weren't leaning on the big guys up front. And they, and, and Matt Nagy finally started to, trust the big guys, trust the tight ends, and, and trust his running back, David Montgomery, who's been showing out the last seven weeks. You know, he's been finding a way to get into the end zone. That's the biggest threat, you know, to the Saints coming up is making sure that they stop this guy, Montgomery, making sure that he can't go up and down the field. Another good thing about Trubisky is uh, he does have the legs to make plays. And the thing about him, he just has to make those plays if they want to be um, – in this at the end of the game, you know, because uh, the Saints team is going to be very powerful when they come out offensively this week. And uh, Trubisky can get the ball down the field and, and, and use his playmaker. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. Mike, I'd ask the same question to you. What do you think has been the biggest change for the Bears in the last few weeks of the season? Well, definitely you can tell that in the results that David Montgomery has been a monster for them. Um, and Trubisky, uh, you know, I mean, he's playing – playing for his uh, uh, future now or whatever. But, you know, from the outside, it feels almost like this team has nothing to lose. I mean, they were written off uh, and then they got so hot and they got here and nobody expected them to be here. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all house money from here. Uh, but the other thing the Saints have to make sure, you know, when they won that game 26-23 uh, in overtime in week eight, they still did give up a couple of big pass plays. That is something, it's not the Bears' identity, but it's something they can do. I think Allen Robinson is one of the most talented receivers in the league. And, and if he was playing with different quarterbacks, you know, uh, other than what he's had in Chicago and Jacksonville, he'd probably be, you know, in the Pro Bowl every single year. And they imported another deep threat from uh, Tulane. So Saints got to make sure they make the Bears work for it and, and don't get hit any of those over-the-top plays that they're going to look for every once in a while, too. Mike, do you think the Saints defense is hitting their stride at the right time? I mean, take out – the game against the Panthers yesterday where you had, you know, kind of A team mixed with B team and C team. But do you think the defense is hitting their stride right at the perfect time? Uh, I think the defensive line has been great uh, this entire second half of the season. Uh, but obviously we have a few questions about the back seven because they just lost Quan Alexander to the torn Achilles. Uh, and we don't know for sure if they're getting CJ Gardner Johnson and, and, Marcus Williams back but if they get both those guys back on the secondary then absolutely I mean you'd say in general the second half of the season this defense has been leading the way for for this team all right last question before we let you go Jermon I have to ask what goes into these locker room celebrations like who brings the smoke machine who brings the light <laughs> you need to know who's responsible I can't, I, I can't give you that intel because I know directly who it is 
So I, I, I can't I can't let the cat out of the bag. Any names, but addresses. I, <laughs> I don't I don't know. Listen, they 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 have to have like a whole special trunk just for DJ <laughs> equipment, smoke machines. I see lights. I mean, it is literally a club. I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, "Do I miss the game?" And I say, "I miss the locker room." But I, that is what I miss. I miss, you know, I'm sitting up here looking at all the guys' Instagram stories, looking at their live feeds, and they're just having the greatest time ever. And you know, and I'm, I'm sitting back with you know with, with my son and with my family, and we and we watch it and as I scroll every now and then. I'm just like, you know, this is what I miss. Uh, I, I don't I don't miss the banging and, and and grown men running into me every day. I miss these kind of I miss these celebrations. And um, you know, the individuals who 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 uh, who are making sure that the team has a good time after these wins, they got to keep it up because they they change the league. To be honest with you, I mean, you now you see everybody having their own like club type of celebrations. It's pretty cool to see. Do you have to refill the smoke? Is it like getting the propane tanks at, uh, at the Home Depot? Oh, like listen, it's a smoke machine, but you got to buy more smoke. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you do, man. And they're, they're, invest, they're investing a little bit of coin into this too. Now I mean, look, for, for them to bring this stuff, you know, they, they're, they're making sure that they have places on the plane and on the trucks that they're moving, that they can keep all this equipment in. I, it's, it's awesome, man. That, that right there makes you want to win games because you look forward to to that celebration at the end. Well, two things. First, in the most recent one, Craig Robertson was wearing Cam Jordan's mink coat, which was clearly yes. oversized. And yes. second, you cannot tell me that Demario Davis has not practiced those dance moves in his mirror at home. Like, I hundred percent. I mean, hundred percent. I think I think the celebration of the year has to go to Sean Payton hitting the gritty after the Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, honestly, don't tell me that Sean Payton wasn't practicing that because he looked pretty solid doing that dance. So hats off to Sean. In front was, of his kids, in front of anyone who would give him feedback, he was 1,000% practicing. I love well, it. Well, Jermon, yeah. Mike, we appreciate you coming on. Hopefully uh, we can have you on next week talking about a win. All right. Thank you, Thanks Karen. Don't worry, listeners, I will get you names of the people who bring the the celebration equipment for the lockers because we need to celebrate them. All right, that was a great conversation with Jermon Bushrod and Mike Triplett. Uh, congratulations are in order, Saints fans, to our very own Demario Davis, if you don't know him. Well, I don't even know why you're listening to this podcast because you need to know who Demario Davis is, starting linebacker for your New Orleans Saints. He is the recipient of the Bart Star Award this year. So congratulations to him. The Bart Star Award recipient best exemplifies outstanding character and leadership in the home, on the field, and in the community. So I don't know what else, what other sentence describes Demario Davis more, uh, but he certainly has outstanding character and leadership in the home, on the field, and in the community. So congratulations to linebacker Demario Davis for receiving that award. More awards in the future. If you know, you know. If you don't know, I'll explain it to you. Uh, He is the club's nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, Award, so hopefully that is on the horizon for Demario Davis. All right, that'll wrap things up for the Monday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Don't forget, Saints fans, we will keep you updated with everything you need to know throughout the week involving your New Orleans Saints. So make sure you have that Saints app downloaded. You have that your push notifications turned on. And of course, you're following at Saints on social media to stay in the know with everything 
uh, all things New Orleans Saints. For Caroline Gonzalez, Jermon Bushrod, Mike Triplett, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you on Wednesday.